All right, so welcome back to another uh, edition of What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. Um, we actually were going to uh, share this podcast with you in the last podcast. Um, uh, Ross shared on uh, evidences uh, for Scripture. I don't even know how to sum that up, but Ross shared on his It was really on, good, on so Luke, Luke stop listening to this and listen to that one. <laughs> yeah. And then come back and listen to this. <laughs> but we, we got so much gold out of Ross that we decided we should we should record another podcast. So we've got Sam here, and he's going he's gonna to take up the second part uh, of what we started in the last podcast on uh, our identity as missionaries. So let me just remind you again what he's going to cover, what we're going to cover in this. Number one, how to be in the world, but not of the world. Um, number two, what does it mean to be sanctified? And number three, clarifications on being a missionary, what that means and doesn't mean. So, um, Sam, tell us, what did you say uh, a couple weeks ago in your sermon on identity as missionaries? Yeah, in short, Jesus was sent, according to John 17, Jesus was sent as a missionary. And a missionary is basically literally a sent one. He was sent from the Father into the world to save the world. And John 17 and John 20 clarifies that we are now to take up his mantle, continue what he started, and follow him, his footsteps, by now being sent into the world to help save the world too. Um, We're not saving the world specifically, but we're pointing as witnesses to the one who saves. And so as Jesus was sent to the world, so are we. That's what I try to repeat over and over again. Every single Christian who calls upon the name of the Lord— are now sent ones to. Now, you may or may not be sent to across the seas, but you are definitely sent to another world, right? Remember, mm-hmm. we, we know this in Colossians chapter 1, that we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light into the beloved Son. So we fundamentally belong and we are citizens of a new kingdom. Yeah. And so wherever we go, unless we live in a Christian commune or a monastery, we are literally crossing cultures, and it may not always be ethnic or language, but you're definitely crossing values, uh, culturals, cu- cultural values, and um, just a whole different life uh, system, uh, a, a way to view life, and ruled by the evil one. And so every Christian was called in unique ways to be sent to the world to be a witness of the way, Jesus. So that was the main point. Yeah, that's great. What do you wish you would have said differently? I wish I could harp more on the fact that every single person is called to be a witness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, that will look differently for different people in different seasons, but every single person is called to be a witness. And I'm afraid some people, especially when I talk about the three-strand evangelism and doing it in, within the context of community, um, will get the impression that, oh, well, I'm going to just let the evangelists do the evangelism and I'm going to just pray for them or I'm going to just, you know, whatever, give do good deeds, right? Every Christian is called to be an evangelist at some level. Yeah. And, I, and I take on, I, I do believe that there are certain people who are, have uh, gifts that are, they're more, um, there's a higher propensity of them being used in that gift, whether it's healing or, or, or sharing the gospel, they're more gifted in it. But I think everyone can grow in gifts. Mm-hmm. We're not static in any of them. It's not like you just get what you have and you arrive. I think you can have specific gifts in specific 
instances, right? Jesus even says to uh, the disciples, he says, hey, don't even worry about where you're going to say if you're, you know, you're taken before the magistrate, right? Because the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, well, you have the gift, so don't worry about it. You're going to just have the right, you're going to say the right things because you guys have the gift. So like, no, no, no. When you're in the situation, boom, Holy Spirit rushes upon you, empowers you, fills you, and you're able to speak with power, mm-hmm. right? And we've all been in those situations where you walk out and you're like, that was too good. That wasn't me. I know that wasn't me. And that's not because you fundamentally have the gift as if you own the gift, as if this like is this like fog that like God just sucks in you and you're like, I have the gift now. It's like, no, we all have the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do these supernatural things that we can do yeah. just like he did for but Jesus. I, but I wonder, I bet some people haven't had an experience like that yet. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think it's because you keep looking at yourself. Yeah. Right, well, I'm not that gift or I'm not that eloquent. Well, ultimately, who are you going to point to who's successful in any conversion or evangelism? Is it going to be you? Mm-hmm. Right? That same mindset flipped is so like messed up. And I think if, if people were to say, oh, would you give yourself credit if you led some of the Lord? They'd be like, no, of, of yeah. course it's the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, then why do you think that it's up to you? And therefore you don't share because you're like, oh, I'm timid or I'm shy or I'm not good with people or I stumble. Like the Holy Spirit can help you. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that at the end of the day, the word spoken does the work. And we, we all know stories of people who have shared in the most broken ways, sometimes not even the most biblical ways at times. And, and because the word is powerful through the spirit, it changes lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, well, I came to the Lord because that person could speak. Mm-hmm. That person was so eloquent, right? <laughs> I mean, we even see ben, Benjamin Franklin, you know, going to, um, not just George Benjamin Franklin, but um, what's that? He went to see George Whitfield. Yeah, George Whitfield. Yeah. Who was the other guy, too, who did it? He was a philosopher. I don't know. He went to go see Whitfield? Yeah, yeah. An American philosopher? Yeah. William James, maybe? No, no, it wasn't him. Um, it's okay. I'll get back to you guys. Let's just say Benjamin Franklin, because he, he was one of them, right? Yeah, right? He yeah. says, you know, but he's going to listen to Benjamin Franklin, and he's moved by his oratory. He's moved that fact that, like, hey, why are you listening to Benjamin Franklin? I thought you were no, a Christian. George Whitfield. George Whitfield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he went to his sermon. Right. He says, determined not to give any mm. any money to mm. George Whitfield's please. For, for the orphanage? For the orphanage. Yeah. And said he felt his heart stirred when George Woodfield said a certain word in a certain uh-huh. way. And then George Woodfield said something else and he felt his heart pulled. Uh-huh. And eventually he said he felt compelled and could no longer resist and threw his offering sure, in. Sure, sure. Yeah, but... Well, that was, kind of goes against my purpose, my illustration. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ross just read uh, George Woodfield's biography by... Um, <laughs> Arnold Dallimore. Arnold Dallimore. Um, so, so that wasn't that wasn't fair. Well, no, no. But the whole point is, like Benjamin Franklin didn't become a Christian. He didn't. He did. And there was no conversion in, right. in that. that and there's was, that I, was a hard hearted. I know there was another philosopher that they were like, I can't believe you're going to hear him. And there, well, he said, I, I thought you didn't believe that stuff. He says, Well, he does. Hmm. You guys remember that story? I'm pretty that sure. Sounds that's, familiar. Was that Benjamin? Franklin? I think that was Benjamin. All right. Benjamin Franklin. Someone correct us in the comments or whatever <laughs> yeah. and let us know. Um, but just the fact is, no matter how good you are in oratory, ultimately the power remains on the spirit moving. Mm-hmm. And I just think that um, any preacher who sees people come to Jesus needs to remind themselves, and any person who feels intimidated to share the gospel needs to remind themselves that it goes both ways. Because mm-hmm. some people can immediately say, "Well, I'm just not that kind of Christian." Well, do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Well, then you're that kind of Christian. Right. Because you can do anything. Literally, you can do anything. Right? Remember uh, Ephesians 3.20? He can do exceedingly abundantly more than you ask, you ask or think or imagine, some text translations say, according to the work, power that is at work within you. Mm-hmm. It's not right. according to your personality type or how well you are with people. And so often we just keep looking at ourselves. So every single person is on the hook and called to be a witness. However... I guess that goes well, to... Well, can I say one. something? Yes, yeah, jump in. 
Yeah, I just want to so say I so very much agree with that. And um, a witness must testify or they're not a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of a courtroom when I hear witness. Yeah. And a witness who doesn't talk is no witness at all. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, how you live your life is so important. And you'll see this as you watch courtroom dramas and movies because they always ask, like, is this witness credible? Mm-hmm. And, and they can ask questions about what kind of person you are. And what kind of person you are can undermine the credibility of what you say. That's right. So it's so important that we live in, yeah. a, in a way that authenticates what we say. Amen. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, until you bear testimony, mm-hmm. until you open your mouth and tell someone what you believe, you have not yet stepped into the witness stand. That's right. And, and God has summoned you to the witness stand. Yeah. yeah. You. That's right. You, if you're <laughs> listening and you're a Christian. <laughs> yeah. You, he didn't summon Ross. Yeah. When you're talking with someone that Ross isn't talking to, right. he summoned you. He didn't summon Billy Graham. Yeah, he summoned you. And and I just That's don't want us to, to yeah. not to not show up to our to our court appearance that that Jesus Christ Himself has invited us to. That's right. To testify. Right. Like I said at the end, imagine how many classrooms, offices, neighborhoods, gyms, plate uh, that were are represented within our church. You are the witness there. Mm-hmm. You and other Christians, there are the witness there. I'm not the witness there. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's your job. And that's we just want to be careful that we want to display the gospel in word. We want to display the gospel, but we also want to proclaim. We have to proclaim the gospel. They, mm-hmm. They're both hand in hand. And it's very, very important because Christians tend to do the two ditches where they pick one. We're like, well, we're going to just preach the gospel with my word, our, our actions. Right. Right. Um, but use words when necessary, which is nonsensical. That doesn't make sense. Right. That's proclamation mandates words. Yes. <laughs> you can't say that. Right. Um, and and the, on the other hand, you have so many people who are happy to just preach the gospel, wipe their hands clean, check it off their list and feel like I was faithful. Now I can go back and do life. Right. right. Um, because I, I remember one story from total church. They're talking to this street evangelist who, you know, goes out once a week and does street evangelism. And they said, you know what, would you join with us? We're going to do some evangelism too. What we do is we integrate people, unbelievers into our life. We invite them into our homes. We spend time with them. We serve them. We share the gospel in word and deed and, and all this kind of stuff. They're explaining this. And that evangelist at first was like, Oh, you guys aren't hardcore like me going out. Mm. And then when he heard all that they were doing, they're like, well, that's, that's too much to ask. That's too much time. That's too much commitment. You know, this evangelist looked down on other people didn't go out and doing the street, street preaching with him, but then realized that actually he liked it because he could just check off the box. I won't see these people ever again. Mm-hmm. He's a coward potentially with his neighbors and with his coworkers because he sees mm-hmm. them every day. Mm-hmm. And we see the same phenomenon with people who do overseas uh, short-term mission trips. Where there, they're like, man, I don't give a ripple what these people think. They're natives and they have this sense of superiority over them. I'm going to preach the gospel. And then yeah. they go home. They're just like a little lamb. And they won't say a word mm-hmm. to their friends and neighbors and family. Yeah. You know, so sure. it, I say all that to say both and. We're a church that wants to celebrate both. We, we, we believe we, we need to go out and have specific times where we're sharing with the lost and sharing with people who we don't even know. And we also need to take advantage of the mission fields that God has uniquely placed us where there's already relational currency built and already influence, right? Sometimes people only try to build and manufacture influence of random people. Like, hey, you, did you get one of these gospel tracks? Let me tell Like you need both. And I think both are helpful. So you guys want to ch- chime in that because I know that that, that can be confused. Yeah. Right? And one, one thing, so I read um, a book called Evangelism and Sovereignty of God by Packer. Yes. Which, excellent. It was, just read it. 
That's all I'm if, if you have any yeah. questions about how do we reconcile the fact that God is sovereign mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people have free choices and the fact that we have to share the gospel and we don't know who's elect, that book really does a great job there. Answer yes. this question, John. And, and one thing he says in there is, is if you're sharing the gospel with someone, they should, they should be convinced you are their friend. Like hmm. they, you should, they should be convinced you are your friend. And that may take three weeks with someone or it might take three minutes depending on who it is and how the conversation sure. goes. I've had conversations with three people. Years. <laughs> I've, yes. You know, there's, a, there's these certain people you're just called to serve them. Maybe your MC's called to serve them and it just mm-hmm. takes forever to break down those walls of suspicion. And, yeah. But there's other people I've run into on the streets and it's just like something just happens. Like the Lord just moves. That's and right. right away I'm like, I need to tell you about Jesus. That's right. And I, and I just, and, and you can just tell the person. Yeah trust you for some reason or is open to hearing you for some reason. It's totally. just like, I'm just going to, sh- and, and so it doesn't have to be either or it's yeah. just, it's just like sensing the leadership of the spirit to great his movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's so helpful for me too is, so my MC started doing mm-hmm. evangelism. Yeah. And one thing I stopped doing in my life was just one-on-one personal evangelism the last few months mm. Until we went out last week. That's right. And all of a sudden I feel, feel myself called to do it one-on-one. That's right. And I was going running the other day. Yeah. And and felt called to go talk to a man. Yeah. And felt that bond of friendship right away. Absolutely. And he came to our gathering. He did. I had yeah. a great talk with him. Yeah. And and that's not to say, look how much Ross is obeying, but it took me yep. going out with my MC to evangelize before I remembered that I'm called to do this personally. Amen. And it's not, oh, I just do it with my MC. No, the MC helps you do it that's on right. your own. Amen. That's so good. You made you made a really good point about our missional communities, and yeah, you, you, right now you're you're pushing really hard on. Hey, we're all witness, mm-hmm. but the, the three strand yeah. missional what, what evangelism, yeah, three, three strand event. evangelism is is super valuable. Um, we just don't want you to mishear it. We don't Sam yeah. doesn't want you to mishear what that what that is. So I I just make this this comment about our missional communities and and what they're meant to do with regards to your identity as a witness. Our missional communities are set up to, uh, so that we together can be on mission, so that we together can pray for those that God has called you to serve in your context, so, so we can encourage one another and do what Ross just said. He was encouraged to, to do more, to, to give more, and so that we can go together, so yeah. we can go together, so we're not alone in the, in the process. So we, we as a church are called every individual to be witnesses, and praise God, He has given us this context so we can do it together and That's be right. encouraged in the process. The disciples were sent out two by two. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, you know, we, we have the, the example of Philip witnessing to the Ethiopian eunuch by himself. But, but we, are, we are called into community. And as a church, uh, we get to serve one another in it. So I've felt very, I know many felt freed up and cared for by your, your call to yep. serve as witnesses with one another. That's right. But again, that does not let us off the hook that every single one of us are yeah. called to be witnesses. And, and I hate to even use that word hook, right? Yeah. I've been using that word as if it's like, well, you still got to do your taxes. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, woe is us. We have to tell people about the greatest love of our life, right. the greatest healer of our souls, the one who saved us from all everything. Right? That's good. It's like, at the end of the day, we get to be witnesses, right? You don't see um, forced, guilt-driven evangelism by in the New Testament. Yes. They're doing it with joy. Way because they found the fountain of life and they want other people to taste and drink that yes. the Lord is good, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of things that I need to say. Um, 
evangelism um, is often a process and not just the one a one conversation. Um, in in other words, is you don't have to feel like every time you interact with an unbeliever, every time that the Lord puts them in your path, that you failed unless you ask them to repent of their sins and share the gospel. The Lord, you need to be faithful, and this takes time to discern by the Spirit what the Lord's trying to produce. Because sometimes I'll have a conversation, and I feel the Lord leading me um, and taking it a certain direction, and it's just tearing down walls. So maybe the next Christian can come mm-hmm. and bring it home. Like one waters, one plants, but God gives the growth, right? And I think there's a lot of pressure that makes it very, very unattainable and where it scares Christians from saying anything because they feel like every t- if you if you want to share the gospel, you got to go straight for the jugular and ask right. them to repent of their sins right. and trust in Jesus if they're going to hell, right? But it's like that may you may be the closer. And if you never close, then you got to check yourself to maybe, maybe you're just trying to run from that. Sometimes you're right? not called to share at all. Yeah. And sometimes you are. Yeah, yeah. And it takes time and you, that's why you need the, your DNA and other people close to you to say, hey, this is what's going on and let them see the patterns and check your heart. Are you doing it out of the fear of man? You know, one thing that I, I thought was really important to share is that I've gone through seasons where I'm just an evangelistic machine and times where I'm just really quiet and I notice it's either on or off. It's like a spigot. Yeah. And that well, It's a spigot that's either really on or really off. It's like mm-hmm. it, the once you start the ball rolling, it just it's something, it's like there's a barrier. I think the spiritual barrier that breaks mm-hmm. and your, your tongue is loose and it's free. But if you like freeze up and don't do it for a while, it, it feels like you're literally trying to like open up like a, a, a door with all this pressure behind it that there's just there's no way you could open it like it just feels impossible mm-hmm. but the moment you do it with uh, and, and this is why it's helpful to have others you do it around other people and they kind of ease you in and just kind of breaks that barrier yeah and that's why it's so helpful to do evangelism within the context of community because other people will be gifted in ways that you're not and they will train you and uh, inspire you mm-hmm. um and, and that's so so back to the three-strain evangelism what we're trying to do is is utilize the fact that none of us are the church by ourselves mm-hmm. we don't have all gifts and yeah. so we you may be really good at building relationships and introing um uh, friendship but someone else may be really good at answering their tough questions that you're not yet trained in mm-hmm. and that's why you need to do it with them because eventually you'll be trained too right yeah. so this is not like hands-offs handoffs right? right like you're the ultimate relationship builder but you never have to share the gospel and you're good at sharing the gospel but you have terrible people skills right like both can learn from each other right. we want to work as a community and take the pressure off every single person to do everything on their own, right? Yes. We work together. One thing I hear you saying here that I think is important is we don't, we don't ascribe to one particular mode of evangelism. That's right. In, in, in our church. Would you guys agree with that? Could you just describe what that means? Yeah. So what I mean is I think there are some people that, that uh, would say that, Okay, so there's one group, which I, I love very much, the way of the master, and they want you to preach the law. Yeah. Uh, they want you to preach the law. And I had a good conversation with, with a good friend recently, and uh, there's a lot of good in what they're saying. Hey, you don't understand. I was understand. trained in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't understand the gospel if you don't first know that you're a sinner. You do not understand that Jesus, uh, what, what he has done for you if you haven't first come to, to feel the weight of your sin and right. your sin particularly. It's showing mm-hmm. your particular sin. Um, however, I think we came to the conclusion in the conversation with my friend, and I think we agree. I'm not totally sure, but I think that we we'll agree. Find out soon. I think we agree that um, the, the scriptures show us not one particular process, but but that pe- these individuals that are sharing 
uh, the gospel are led by the Spirit, and it comes with with each individual. It's going to be packaged differently. Yeah, it's going to sure. be packaged for their need, for their heart, for that moment. And I think we need to be very um, not overly critical of those that would would share the gospel in one particular way or use yeah. one particular tool, but right. to say that. Yeah, what was that quote you said earlier, Sam, about sharing the gospel? <clears throat> Oh, oh yeah. Deal Moody says, you know, because people would critique him and the way he's going about it. He said, I like my evangelism more than your non-evangelism. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> so good. If yeah. they are preaching the gospel, we right. have no right yeah. to be critiquing the way they do it. Yeah. Um, I've been, well, I know what you're saying. Asterisk, street, asterisk street, yes. street evangelists. There it shouldn't some, be our first reflex. Yeah. It shouldn't be our first reflex. Especially if you don't share the gospel. Yeah. You're this armchair person. Like It's like that huge fat guy sitting in, in his chair on the the computer critiquing people's yeah. workout form because yeah. it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord has rebuked me surprisingly yeah. many times me seeing really poor evangelism happening on the streets. Yeah. And I was just reminded by God, like, dude, you're, you're not sharing. That's good. Where, where, yeah. where are you? Uh, yeah, though I don't agree that. with everything. So, sure. That's good. So, uh, I just think it is so vital that we're led by the spirit. Practically what's, what that means we need an intimate relationship with Jesus. And when we are brought into a situation with an individual, know that person, see that person, and and be talking to God. How do I serve this person? Give me wisdom. We have lots of tools. The scriptures are clear about what uh, an individual needs to come to faith. They need to know that they're a sinner. They need to know that Jesus saves, that they have to repent and believe. Um, but, but the way you get there, whether that be through offering a word of knowledge, through prayer, through, through a, a writ, a, an illustration that you draw on a table, no matter what it is, we, we believe that there, there are many ways and modes that you can share the gospel. I, I don't know if this is helpful for anyone. Yeah. but And I just wanted to add that I agree that you don't have to use go heavy with the law first. Mm-hmm. I think at some point in the conversation, you have to remind or show the person that they are a sinner in need of a savior yes but that doesn't have to be the way the conversation starts yeah i would would just say that sometimes they already know that sometimes they're they're the type of person who feels like man if i i even heard this from someone they're like i'm afraid to go to a church because i may burst in flames if i walk through like they already feel that like you don't need to be like reminding hey hey have you ever lied have you stolen right by your omission you're a lying thieving sleeping blasphemer and but and you will face god like you like just feel the freedom of the spirit to lead you in different ways and it takes time and not just be linchpin under one type of way. Yes. So, and sometimes you have to say those things. Yeah, you, you have to do. Yeah, and sometimes you don't. And so there's freedom. Wow, that was a lot on evangelism. Sam, I'd love to hear more of what you have to say about how to be in the world, but not of it. This is super important. And I cut a whole section out of the sermon. If you can recall, it's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, I know all of you memorized my outline. Um, <laughs> And I say that in jest because I kind of forgot my outline. But we talked about Jesus is our pattern. So he's the one who went forth first. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the spirit is, uh, and he's also our purpose. So we're following him now. So he's the pattern. He he's now our purpose to be missionaries as he was. And then the Holy Spirit is our power in enabling us to do. See, I remember it. (laughs) All of it, um, all of everything that he's called us to is absolutely impossible without his spirit. He's calling us to an impossible mission, and therefore we have to fall upon him and beg uh, and and depend on the spirit to empower us. Now, the final hour that I cut was our protection. Because this whole passage, Jesus isn't just saying, hey, go out and be missionaries. He's also saying some really, really 
heavy stuff. Let me read to you John 17, 14. John 17, 14. I have given them your word. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. I've given them the Father's word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, we spoke in the sermon about the difference between worlds and how in this context um, is sometimes speaking about the world in general of all the kind of people in the world, um, in in, in the earth. But then um, Jesus seems to shift the the context and the meaning that world is emphasizing the the powers that are in rebellion against Jesus, uh, the value system of the world. and, And so... So what Jesus is making clear is that, hey, I'm sending you to be missionaries just as I have been, but, and you're going to go into the world, but you can't become the world. You can't become of the world mm-hmm. um, just as I am not of the world. Again, the pattern is coming back. Jesus is constantly calling us back to be what he's doing. He's not calling us something that he is not doing. So he's not of the world, and now he's given us his word. And because they have the world word, they are now hated. And I think this is something worth highlighting because many people have this mindset, this misconception that you can be a faithful witness for Jesus and a missionary to Je- uh, for Jesus and never ruffle feathers. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus literally says that they have they will hate you because of it. Let me, let me go back to John 15. This is the beginning of this whole discourse in John 15 through 17. He says this in verse 19. John 15, verse 19. If you were of the world... Guess what? The world would love you as its own. Mm. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so unlike the disciples, Jesus was never of the world, but we're, we're different than Jesus in this sense that we were of the world. We were part of them. And then Jesus plucked us out of it. He pulled us out. And so we're no longer there. And we talked about this in Colossians 1, right? We've been transferred to a new kingdom with new value systems. And so therefore, um, we we are un- inevitably on a crash course or, or on a track towards collision of values. If you never have a collision of values with your family, friends, or neighbors who are not following Jesus, something is wrong. Something is wrong. You are domesticating yeah. Jesus's message. You are domesticating his values. You are picking and salad, picking and choosing and salad, salad barring his his values and his kingdom because the kingdom is in many ways um, can be celebrated by the world and in many ways is despised by the world. Yes, and that that is a concern right now. There's a lot of Christians who are trying to stay woke enough and start to try to be. Um, up to date with all the injustices in the world that Jesus does certainly care about the brokenness in the world. Um, but then they're kind of stripping it of the actual gospel mm-hmm. that people are sinners and they need to be mm-hmm. reconciled. And they just, Oh, look, look, Jesus cared about the poor. Yes, he did. He cared about the widows. Yes, he did. But he also called people to trust in him and re- re- renounce their own rule and lordship. And that is absolutely offensive to anybody. There's nobody who's like, well, oh, that sounds really good, right? Like nobody is likes hearing that you are fundamentally in rebellion towards God and you need to surrender to him and give up your lordship. That's mm-hmm. offensive. And so if you um, are trying to be a witness and trying to be a missionary and that never you never have those encounters of clashing, um, you, you're, you're doing something to the message and stripping it. Yeah. Um, and I think that term of the world that's an ambiguous term. That, that's It's difficult to interpret kind of what those little two-letter mm. words mean. Mm. Um, just off the top of my head, I would say maybe like it's a possessive mm-hmm. word. Right. That's good. Like you would not belong to the world. And and I really think that a lot of people have misinterpreted this con- 
this kind of concept and they've taken it to mean I should not have proximity to the world. That's right. Like I need to withdraw from the world. My holiness is being living physically apart from other <clears throat> sinners, living physically apart from people who are in disobedience to yeah. God. But, but Jesus in verse 15 actually says that that should not be your interpretation. Right. He says, I do not <laughs> take you out of the world. That's my next point. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Oh, no. Go for it. I'm into that. Yeah. And, and I'm just thinking like Jesus is saying, I w- want you to have proximity to sinners like I had. Mm-hmm. If you don't have proximity to sinners, mm-hmm. you are not living like Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. If there's a sense you belong to the same world they belong to, you are also not living like Jesus. That's right. There's a balance like yep. where you have two ditches on either side yep. where one is you avoid sinners. Yep. And one is you belong to the same value system as they do, and you can't do either one of those. That's right. And so you have to journey on that narrow road between them. Let's, let's read that verse, John seventeen fifteen through 16. I do not ask, so this is again Jesus speaking to the Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, the disciples and all those who will follow like us, but, but rather that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Again, Jesus repeating that same line, but notice that he is... In this whole section, highlighting how perilous and dangerous and messed up the world is and how fundamentally it is against them. And then he says, he doesn't then say, and so stay away. <laughs> he says, no, I'm sending you to them, mm-hmm. but you gotta, you can't become like them, right? Mm-hmm. God does not bless escapism, right? There are seasons of retreat where you can kind of cluster with Christians as you you learn, you get foundations, you build up, and there are seasons of rest and, and, and solitude and silence. But overall, God does not bless that. Yeah. Right, And that's the issue with any kind of monk or people who kind of do these long, um, they, they give their life to live in a monastery away from the world, right? And the issue is, it's, it's been, you know, it's funny to hear is the problem is they brought the world with them, mm. right? You can't escape it. And I just wonder if some evangelical churches have a mentality like that where we, right. we separate on Sunday from these sinners. Yeah. And they, might, they of course, they never talk that way, but hmm? maybe they might, maybe some might. But, but, but there's this kind of sense that this is just like a Christian country club or a Christian hangout where we're just getting away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is kind of goes to the point <clears throat> I said in the sermon how Jesus incarts, in, incarnates himself. He, he becomes uh, of them and, and overpowers them and goes where they're at. Yeah. And in, in, in the evangelical West, we often try to get people to come to our turf and get mm-hmm. them to cross cultures mm-hmm. to accommodate us mm-hmm. because we're too uncomfortable to go to their temples or go to their homes. Like how many... Christians would just be terrified if they're just neighbor that they know there is a practicing, you know, um, um, Wiccan said, mm-hmm. hey, would you come over for dinner? I'm going to be like, oh, I don't know if I can do that, right? Yeah. And the same power that raised Christ Jesus dead is in you. You know, you can go in there and totally just, you know. Um, Amen. But, but let, let me say this. Jesus doesn't just say, don't be of the world. He says this in verse 17, just kind of plodding along in the text. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So what's our protection? How can we be in the world and be sent to the world and not become like the world and compromise our message or our lives? Which if you compromise your life, you will compromise the message. Mm-hmm. Well, he says that they need to be sanctified in the truth. Mm-hmm. God's word is truth. And earlier on, we even talked about it in verse uh, 14, that he has given them your word. Mm-hmm. And so how mm-hmm. can you stay faithful and not because that's the that's the danger, right? That's the ditch. Is like, okay, well, how can we not compromise? Because that's that's a rightful thing to be afraid of. How can we not compromise? Well, you have to be saturated in God's word. Mm. 
not just hearing the word, but keeping the word, which is something that Jesus says a lot in John 15, right? If they obey the commandments, that's how they abide in truth, mm-hmm. abide in his love, right? Not just merely hearing, which is something that most of us don't have a problem doing, but actually practicing. And so the key for us to be faithful witnesses and let our light shine before men is if we are faithful to his word and living in it. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a uh, temptation uh, or maybe it's more of a tension. Once someone comes to Christ, they're surrounded by mm. perhaps friends that, that have led them down the wrong path. And their, their inclination is, I need, to, I need to move away. And sometimes that's a very wise inclination. Yeah, sure. and, and, and you should do that because they, they may just lead you right back into the same sin. Yeah. Um, I think what, what is amazing about what we see with, with Jesus and his interaction with sinners and how they respond when they... Meet, meet him is they try to bring Christ into that fellowship somehow. Yeah. And, and that's not an easy thing to do, but just for example, Matthew, when, when Matthew, the tax collector meets mm. Jesus, yeah. he throws a party that night and invites Jesus and his disciples into the party with, and, and that's when all the Pharisees are like, yo, he's hanging out with all these sinners yeah, and tax yeah. collectors. Yeah. Yeah. And so Matthew is not interested in having the same friendships Without Jesus, yeah. he but he, but he looks for an opportunity with those former friendships to bring Christ into it. That's excellent. Um, I I think that we can learn something from Kanye West. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Kanye West, like you know, some might say, "Dude, you need to step completely out of this context yeah. and and do something different." And, but but what he's done actually is is quite admirable in that he said, like, I'm not ready to take the, the forefront here. I don't know the word enough. Yeah, I'm not a pastor. He knows that he's not called to be a pastor. And so he's mm-hmm. actually called he's a believer. He's called a faithful mm-hmm. preacher of God's word in to shepherd him and help him to grow. Yeah. And then to even kind of take the forefront and to preach preach mm-hmm. God's word in settings where they're they're yep. trying to make space for that. Yeah. And and I find that just so amazing because he's he's trying to bring Christ in to that context. Not escape it. He's he's looking, he's still in the world, he's still in that context, but he is no longer of the world. He's refusing to let his mm-hmm. he's even said, I'm not gonna sing my whole, my old songs yeah, yeah. in concert any longer. But I'm gonna bring Christ into what I was doing. Yeah. This is this is an amazing incarnation of the gospel, like being brought into his context. This yeah. is what Christ did for us, and it's yeah. what he calls us to do. But practically, friends, if we find that we're being more influenced, even if we're trying to be on mission for our friends, and we find that we're being more influenced towards evil by them, yeah. we need to start asking questions like, is this is this a healthy friendship? You know, and how, how can I bring Christ in? How can I bring other Christian friends in to support me in these right. in these friendships? That's huge. So I think there's there's just practically challenges in this. Yep. Uh, if you've you've got longtime friends that you want to know Jesus, you know that they're going to influence you, uh, and you're maybe not strong enough. It could be really good to yep. call and help. That's really helpful. Yeah, I I wanted to make a, another point regarding verse seventeen. He says, sanctify them in the truth. And we talked about this word sanctification or sanctified or Mm -hmm. consecrated. And this word sanctify is basically saying, set them apart in your truth. And so what is important is if we are going to be missionaries infiltrating cross crossing cultures, we have to be know the truth so well Mm -hmm. that when we see counterfeits, that we can sniff it out in a second. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you're not in the world, if you're sorry, if you're not in the word, 
then you you won't have the ability to see clearly and you'll be eroded by the constant barrage of lies and values of the world. Yeah. So, you, so, so we need to be swimming in God's word all the time so that the result will be we're shaped by the word and not the world. Mm. And so when we go into the world, we are shaping the world. Yeah. Mm. And that's the prayer that I have for myself. And I pray for Elijah as he goes to school every morning and say, Lord, I pray that he would influence, right? Not be influenced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he's influenced, he's only being influenced by godly influences. And so um, if you want to be that like relevant Christian who's in the cutting edge and all stuff, but you're not swimming in your in the word and you don't know the word, you're gonna totally um you're gonna totally compromise the word. Yeah. Mm. And you're gonna become just like the world and the world doesn't need more clones. Mm-hmm. They just try to put a nice Christian bow on it. They need mm-hmm. something uniquely different that is is at the same time um bold and yet humble and and being true to God. And so um I think that's I think that's just what I would encourage everybody to receive because I know that this call to be a missionary for some is so fresh and new um, that you may get so excited about it that you forget the basics of just being with Jesus every day. Mm. That's good. You, you got to bring them to Jesus. And if you're not with Jesus, you can't bring them to Jesus, right? Mm. You're not the savior. You can't be Jesus to the world. You're bringing them to Jesus. We're, we're, we're being witnesses of the way. You're not the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's just so important that as a community, as we're ramping up evangelism, we're seeing people come to Jesus and so we're getting into it. We can't forget the word. We can't make the dangerous um, kind of conflation, uh, for lack of better terminology, of saying like, oh, people who are all about the word are like stuffy and they don't, they're not on mission. Yeah. Right. That that can happen. And we've seen that. We've all been part of groups like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not say that that means that we should now react negatively. And we're not going to be about the work because we're about mission. Mm-hmm. Right. If we don't know about the word, we're not going to keep our mission. Faith. Good. So we need both. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I'm just encouraged by by our church body, the way that uh, the way that you are seeking to to share the good news with others yeah. and and people are are responding in faith and I'm, I'm so encouraged so let's let's be who we are church let's be missionaries That's let's right. be servants let's mm-hmm. be um i'm blanking on the first one family yeah. love a family That's right. <laughs> so th- this this is all these these sermons we're, we're all about our identity as a church thank you sam for this this great message uh more to come this ends the, the second part of the 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 two-part uh, what we couldn't say on Sunday. We're so thankful that you tuned in. Love you, family. Love you all.